ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so tonight inshallah ta'ala we're going to discuss the topic of Ramadan this blessed month which has almost approached us once again and there are barely a few weeks remaining before this month of Ramadan will be upon us so it is befitting and suitable to be aware regarding the virtues of this month the importance of this month and the benefits behind fasting and the reasons fasting was prescribed and some of the basic rulings regarding the month of Ramadan regarding fasting so fasting siyam or som linguistically it refers to controlling yourself, to refraining from doing something. So in the month of Ramadan, when we are engaging in the act of Siyam, then we are engaging in an act whereby we are refraining from doing certain things. We are holding ourselves back from doing certain things performing certain actions, and they are the food and the drink and the intimate relations, and other than that. So, As-Sayyam, huwa ruknu thalith min arkan al-Islam. Fasting is the third pillar of Islam. Qad faradahu Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ala hadhihi al-ummah كَمَا فَرَضَهُ عَلَى الْأُمَمِ السَّابِقَةِ Allah obligated fasting upon this ummah, the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, just like Allah obligated fasting on previous nations, before Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam too, Fasting was not something which was legislated only this ummah. It was legislated even before this ummah too, before the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam too. How do we know that? Because Allah told us in the Qur'an, in the ayah of Surah Al-Baqarah, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصَّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ O you who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you, obligated upon you, just as it was obligated, prescribed, عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ Upon those who came before you, O oh, you who believe, 
fasting is prescribed upon you just as it was prescribed, obligated upon those who came before you. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ In this part of the ayah, Allah clarifies to us the great benefit behind fasting and the great virtue to be taken from fasting. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may achieve piety, that you may obtain piety, taqwa. Fasting aids a person in achieving taqwa. And what is taqwa? Taqwa is to fulfill the commandments of Allah upon insight and knowledge, desiring the reward from Allah and staying away from the prohibitions upon insight, fearing the punishment of Allah. To do that, fasting aids you in it. Fasting aids you and helps you in carrying out the obligations upon you, in carrying out the commands of Allah, what Allah has ordered you to do. Fasting aids you to carry out those orders. And it aids you, strengthens you to stay away from the haram and the evil. So Allah said, this fasting has been prescribed upon you, obligated upon you, just like those who came before you, so that you may achieve this piety, you may achieve this taqwa. And when was fasting prescribed? In what year did the obligation of fasting occur? Anyone? In the second year of Hijrah. Correct. In the second year of Hijrah. Two years after the Hijrah was made, when the Muslims were forced out of Mecca and they moved to Medina. Two years after that, the revelation came, the obligation came for the fasting. And so the Prophet ﷺ fasted Ramadan nine years, nine times. Nine times the Prophet ﷺ fasted the month of Ramadan before he died. So fasting as we said, Lughatan al-imsak. الإمساك عن الكلام أو الإمساك عن المشي Linguistically it is to refrain from doing something. Whether you refrain from talking, or you refrain from walking, or you refrain from eating, it is to control yourself, to stop yourself, and to refrain from doing something. Islamically, it is to refrain with an intention from the things that break your fast, eating and drinking, etc. 
from the actual rise of dawn until the sunset to refrain from the things that break your fasting from the true dawn up till the sunset with an intention meaning if somebody got up and prayed fajr and then all day they were busy doing what they were doing and they didn't get a chance to eat all day until maghrib time after maghrib is the first time they got an opportunity to eat can you say this counts as a fast for the person he didn't eat or drink or anything all day from fajr till maghrib does it count as a fast doesn't count as a fast because he didn't have the intention fasting is an act of worship that requires the intention with it so the one who didn't make an intention then that does not count as a worship of fasting for him even if he didn't eat or drink all day so the definition here of fasting is to have an intention to not eat and drink or engage in intimate relations etc from the true dawn up until the sunset so islamically speaking you cannot say that you are fasting even if you're not eating or drinking all day if you haven't made the intention in amsaka biduni niyyah fahadha la yusamma sayaman shar'an إِذَا لَمْ يَأْكُلْ وَلَمْ يَشْرَبْ بِدُونِيَّةِ يُسَمَّى صَيَامًا لُغَةً لَا شَرْعًا Linguistically, the person is fasting. He's not eating or drinking. But Islamically, he's not fasting. Because Islamically, it requires an intention. The niyyah. So this is the fasting. And when a person fasts, he leaves all of the affairs that are impermissible and haram. And he leaves all of those things that will break his fast. And the types of things that break your fast are two types. The types of things that break your fast are two types. One type are the things that actually nullify your fast and your fast doesn't count anymore. Like eating or drinking on purpose. That nullifies your fast altogether and your fast doesn't count. But then there is another category of things that can impact upon your fast. They have an effect upon your fasting. Even if they don't actually break your fast, they have an impact on your fast. And they are the things like backbiting and lying and cheating and deception and namima. All of this type of evil speech that a person engages in. All of that type of activity a person commits 
it may not necessarily break your fast in terms of you having to make it up again, but it can certainly impact upon the reward of your fast to such a degree that if a person carries on backbiting, slandering, lying, cheating, deceiving, whilst he is fasting, then the reward is taken away from him bit by bit. The more he carries on lying and cheating and slandering, his reward it goes away bit by bit, until at the end of the day, he may have nothing left of any reward. His day will count as a fast. The fast isn't broken, but he will have nothing left in terms of reward for that day. It is possible that his reward is eroded away, bit by bit, due to all of the evils that he is committing, whilst fasting, until his reward it diminishes, even if the date still counts. Hence, it is mentioned in a hadith, that the Prophet said, مَنْ لَمْ يَدَعْ قَوْلَ الزُّورِ وَالْعَمَلَ بِهِ وَالْجَهْلِ فَلَيْسَ لِلَّهِ حَاجَةِ فِي أَنْ يَدَعَ طَعَامَهُ وَشَرَابَهُ The one who does not leave قَوْلَ الزُّورِ The statements of falsehood قَوْلَ الزُّورِ The statements of falsehood All types of باطل is قول الزور any type of evil and wrong and false speech is considered as zur so the prophet ﷺ said man lam yada' qawl az-zur whoever doesn't leave this false futile speech wal amala bihi and acting upon that way acting upon this way on the way of falsehood upon batil wal jahl and the one who doesn't leave jahl meaning foolishness the one who does not leave the foolishness his foolish behavior and bad behavior and bad affairs that he is engaged in he doesn't leave those things carries on with them and then at the same time though, he doesn't eat or drink, so he says, I'm fasting, then technically, Islamically, yes, he's fasting. He's not eating, he's not drinking, etc. Technically, Islamically, he is fasting. But the reality of his fasting is, that there is nothing, if anything, a tiny amount of his reward left for that day. Allah, The Prophet ﷺ says, Allah is not in need of that person's fasting. Meaning, what are you doing fasting? Thinking you're fasting, not eating, not drinking, getting up early, doing all of those things, but you still carry on with all of your evil lifestyle. You still carry on performing your haram that you have performed, and you carry on engaging in haram that you engage in. You carry on lying about the people and backbiting them and deceiving them and cheating them in your business. You carry on with all of those things in Ramadan. 
But then you say, I'm not eating or drinking, so I'm fasting. In this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says, Allah is not in need of your fasting. You're going to carry on like that with everything else? They're going to carry on upon evil and wrongdoing? Carry on upon lying and cheating and deceiving? Swearing and abusing? And then you say, I'm fasting because I'm not eating and drinking? Fasting is not just to leave food and drink. Fasting is not just to leave food and drink. In fact, the Salaf, they used to say, the Salaf, they used to say, when it comes to fasting, the easiest part, the easiest part of fasting is to stop eating and drinking. That's nothing. Don't eat, don't drink all day from Fajr till Maghrib, that's nothing they used to say. That's the easiest part. So if that's the easiest part, not to eat anything or drink anything all day, that's no problem. Then what was the difficult part the Salaf used to say? They used to say the difficult part is to control the rest of your body. To control your tongue. To control your behavior. To control everything else about yourself. That's the difficult part. Not to control the eating and drinking. That's the easy part they used to say. It's easy. Don't eat anything from Fajr till Maghrib. Anybody can do that. Most people can do that. It might be a little bit difficult. You get hungry, but it's not a problem. Don't eat, don't drink. Everybody does it every year. Ramadan. They used to say that's the easy part, not eating and drinking. The difficult part is to then be able to control the rest of your body whilst you are not eating and drinking. Controlling your tongue is far more difficult than controlling yourself from eating and drinking during Ramadan. The speech that comes out from the tongue, the evil and the lying and the deceit, that evil and abuse that comes out of the tongue of a person comes out far easier than for a person to go and eat and drink. A person may stop himself from eating and drinking, he knows he's not allowed. Fasting Ramadan, he has enough iman, he understands I can't eat or drink. So he leaves the food aside, leaves the drink aside. That he can do, he can manage. But can that same person manage to control his tongue for the whole of the day and not to lie about anyone? Can he control his tongue for the whole of the day and not abuse anyone or backbite anyone? or spread namima about anyone. That is where the Salaf said the difficulty is. The ease is in leaving your food and drink. The difficulty is in controlling the rest of yourself. Controlling your stomach, no problem. Controlling your tongue and your behavior and your actions. That's where the difficulty is. Because fasting is not just about food and drink. Fasting isn't just about leaving the food and drink. As Sheikh Rabia, Hafizahullah mentioned, fasting is about leaving all of the evil in your actions. Fasting is not just leaving the food and drink, as Sheikh Rabia mentioned. Fasting is leaving all of your evil in of yourself. Leaving the evil of your tongue and the evil of your behavior and your actions. That is where the reality of fasting comes to you. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ As Allah said, so that you may achieve piety. You're not achieving piety by not drinking or eating. That is only part of it. 
the piety will be achieved when you stop yourself from performing the haram and you rectify your behavior and your actions and your speech. The speech being the greatest of the problems. As a Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala mentioned, a person may do so much good worship, he may do his obedience and his actions, he may perform the worship to Allah, but then all of it is destroyed, his weeks and months and hard work in his worship, all of it can be destroyed in a few moments from his tongue. All of his obedience and hard work can be destroyed in a few moments with his tongue and the words that he utters. Hence the Prophet ﷺ said, أَتَدْرُونَ مَنِ الْمُفْلِسِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Do you know who the bankrupt one will be on the day of judgment? They said, قَالُوا مَنْ لَا دِرْهَمَ وَلَا دِينَارَ لَهِ The one who doesn't have any gold or silver money. But then the Prophet ﷺ said to them, لَيْسَ كَمَا تَذُنُّونَ كَمَا قَالْ It is not as you think. The bankrupt one on the day of judgment. Nothing to do with money. The bankrupt one on the day of judgment will be the one who used to do worship. He used to do obedience. He used to worship Allah. Then how is he bankrupt on the day of judgment? Because even though he used to worship Allah, and he used to perform his obedience, at the same time, he used to backbite this one, and abuse that one, and lie about that one, and beat this one, and do wrong to that one, and oppress this one. And as a consequence, those people who he oppressed, they will come one by one, and start taking away the good deeds of that person from him. So that justice can be done. That person had oppressed them in this world, they will come and take their good deeds from him. Until all of his good deeds, they run out. And when they run out, and there are still people waiting to get their rights back, then they will take out some of their evil deeds and throw them onto him. So that justice is done between them. So where is that person left? He was a person of obedience, a person of worship, a person of righteousness in his acts and behaviors in worship and obedience. Yet at the same time due to his oppression of the people, those people will come and take away all of his good deeds. And in the end, they will even throw their own evil deeds onto him. So where is he left? Hence the Shaykh said, Shaykh al-Fawzan, all of this worship and obedience, you can destroy it with a few movements of your tongue. Hence a person needs to guard over this tongue. So here in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned the one who doesn't leave the false statements, the incorrect and false behavior and statements, and foolishness and futility, then Allah is not in need of that person to leave his food and his drink. Because if you're leaving your food and your drink, and you are not leaving the evil of yourselves, then you are not benefiting. 
You are stopping eating and drinking, but you are still bribing and cheating and deceiving and lying about people, then what are you benefiting? Hence the hadith says, then there is no need for that person. Allah is not in need of him to leave his food and drink. فَالَّذِي يُمْسِكُ عَنِ الطَّعَامُ وَالشَّرَابُ وَالْمُفَطَّرَاتَ الْحِسِّيَّةِ وَلَكِنَّهُ لَا يُمْسِكُ عَنِ الْغِيبَ وَالنَّمِيمَ وَالْمُحَرَّمَاتِ فَهَذَا لَمْ يَسُمْ أَسْهُمَ الْمَطْلُوبَ A person who therefore, when the month of Ramadan arrives, begins to fast, so he doesn't eat and he doesn't drink, and he doesn't engage in the desires and the other affairs during the day of Ramadan. Yet, he carries on with the backbiting, lying, cheating, deceiving. Then that person has not fasted in the manner that the Sharia requires from you. And that is an important point to note. Islamically speaking, fasting, the meaning of that is not just for you to leave your food and drink and these things, the physical things. There are physical things and then there are non-physical things. The physical things everybody knows about. The physical things everybody thinks about. Food, drink, desires, you can't do that. And everybody stops from that. But the non-physical things are Islamically also required from you. What are the non-physical things? That is your speech and your backbiting and your lying and these affairs. Those things must be stopped during the month of Ramadan so that you take a lesson from it and therefore can continue for the remainder of the year and the remainder of your lives without engaging in those acts ever again. That is the purpose of achieving taqwa. You achieve the taqwa so that you never engage in lying again. You never engage in backbiting again. Never engage in deceiving the people again. Because who are you concealing it from? These behaviors, the people, they think they are getting away with it. Who are you concealing it from? You backbite a person, you sit amongst yourselves, and you speak of another individual. Who do you think you have concealed the affair from? When the angels, they write every word that you say. Who do you think you have concealed it from? When every word you say will be recorded and written, and it will be shown to you in your books on that day. And your accountability will be held upon it. This is as Allah mentioned about the munafiqeen. The munafiqeen, they considered, they thought that they were deceiving Allah and the believers. The munafiqeen, pretending to be upon Islam, pretending to be practicing coming to the masjid and praying, even going out in jihad, thinking they have deceived the believers. Yet Allah says in the Qur'an, they have not deceived anyone except their own selves. 
Because they are the ones who on the day of judgment will be in the lowest pits of the hellfire. Hence the Prophet ﷺ warned us from having the characteristics of the munafiqeen. In the famous narrations where it mentions ayatul munafiqi thalath, the signs of a hypocrite are three. From amongst them is, إِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبْ When he speaks, he lies. إِذَا تُمِنَ خَانْ If he is trusted with something, he breaks that trust. These types of characteristics are characteristics that the Muslims need to avoid. In Ramadan is an opportunity for a Muslim to increase his own character. To improve his own behavior, to improve in his Islamic personality, to remove from himself the evils that he knows. We say the evils that he knows he is upon. It is not hidden to the individual what he is upon. And Allah is the one that conceals your affairs. But it is known to an individual what he is upon. And it is known to him what wrongs are concealed for him. So now this opportunity arises. This opportunity presents itself in the month of Ramadan. This opportunity for a person to grasp and to improve himself in all of his behavior, in all of his affairs. The greatest of those being in the practice of this religion of Islam. For the one who was not practicing in the first place, or for the one who found himself in difficulty with regards to the practicing of the religion, this month of Ramadan provides the opportunity that the hearts, they have a greater feeling of iman within them. There is a greater desire for obedience and worship. There is a greater atmosphere that encourages the people upon it. So these are all opportunities. And as the scholars they say, if you're not going to take the opportunity in Ramadan, then when are you going to take any opportunity the rest of the year? If you do not take the opportunity in this month of Ramadan coming to improve yourself, to exit Ramadan better than you entered it. If you do not exit from Ramadan better than what you entered into it, then you have not taken the opportunity of Ramadan. And if you have not taken the opportunity of Ramadan, then as the scholars they say, what other opportunity are you possibly going to take to improve yourself if in Ramadan itself it is not enough of an encouragement for you to improve yourself? So the Shaykh says, وَالْحِكْمَةُ مِنْ مَشْرُوعِيَّةِ الصَّيَامِ ظَاهِرَةً The wisdom therefore behind fasting, behind Ramadan is clear. لقوله تعالى Due to the statement of Allah لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may achieve piety 
لأنه يمنع النفس من الشهوات والأكل والشرب والجماع لأن هذه الأمور تحمل النفوس على الطغيان وعلى الغفلة When a person eats to his fill drinks to his fill enjoys his desires to his fill then all of those things when a person has them to his will and to his fill that causes or creates an environment within the person a feeling and a atmosphere surrounding the person whereby he is more inclined to performing evil full with his stomach full with his food and drink full with his desires then when a person finds the fill in all of those things that is what leads to a greater degree of negligence and it leads to a greater degree of transgression and oppression Hence, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala said, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned, that the difficulties people face in this world, and every individual faces difficulties, whatever those difficulties may be personal to every individual. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah mentioned, these difficulties that Allah tests you with, These difficulties that Allah tries you with, one of the purposes behind them is in order to keep the people in check. Because if the people never experienced any hardship or difficulty, if they never experienced any burden of anything, and they were in complete luxury all the time, then that brings about a negligence in the mind, and it brings about a feeling of power and authority and strength, <coughs> such that the oppression becomes greater. So in order to keep the servants in check, then these trials and tribulations are placed upon them, to constantly remind them of their station in this world, to constantly remind them of their poverty before their Lord, and to constantly remind them of the limited time and opportunity they have in this world. It is mentioned, narrated, regarding the Salaf. In some of the books, some of the scholars, they narrated that some of the Salaf, they used to make dua six months before Ramadan arrived, Asking Allah, allow me to live until Ramadan. Then after Ramadan finished, for the next six months, they would be making dua, Oh Allah, accept my Ramadan which has gone by. Accept what I did in this Ramadan, and the deeds and the worship. Six months asking Allah to let them live to see Ramadan. Then six months asking Allah, O oh Allah, accept our deeds that we did in Ramadan. And this is from a person recognizing and realizing his station in this world. 
When Allah mentioned, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ Allah, the one who created death and life to test you, which of you is the best in action? Allah didn't say in the ayah, أَيُّكُمْ أَكْثَرُ amala. Rather, أَحْسَنُ amala To test you, which of you is the best in action? The ayah doesn't say, to test you, which of you is the most in action. So it is not just about a person who does the most obedience and worship. Not necessarily. It is about the one who does his worship and obedience in accordance to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So here, in this month of Ramadan, a sheikh Al-Fawzan continues to mention, وَتَضِيقُ فِيهِ مَجَارِ الشَّيْطَانِ When a person is fasting, the lack of food, the lack of drink, the lack of performance of the desires, etc. All of that restricts the veins and arteries within an individual. All of that constricts them, tightens them. The lack of food, the lack of drink, tightens the veins and arteries and the flow of blood within a person. And that, in turn, has an impact upon the ability of the shaitan to operate. Because the shaykh goes on to mention, وَتَضِيقُ فِيهِ مَجَارِ الشَّيْطَانِ the flow of the shaitan in of you is restricted. لِأَنَّ الشَّيْطَانِ يَجْرِي مِنْ إِبْنِ آدَمِ مَجْرَ الدَّمِ Because it is mentioned in the narration how the shaitan flows through a person like the blood flows through an individual. So fasting, الصَّيَامِ يَضِيقُ مَجَارِ الشَّيْطَانِ they constrict, tighten the veins, the arteries of a person, the blood flow of a person, so that the shaitan is also restricted in his flow through an individual. And so that weakens the desire of a person, and it breaks the resolve of a person to want to commit evil. فَيَلِينُ قَلْبُهُ so his heart becomes softened. The person's heart, the believer's heart becomes softened in that act of fasting. وَلِذَلِكَ قَالْ And that is why Allah said, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may achieve piety through it. فَالصَّيَامُ يُكْسِبُ التَّقْوَى Fasting, it brings for you piety. وَالِنْكِسَارُ بَيْنَ يَدَيِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى And it also causes you to realize your weakness before your Creator. Causes you to physically realize your weakness as a human being in front of your Creator, your Lord. No matter how strong and physically fit a person may be, Nowadays, 17, 18 hours without food, and at the end of the day, that person, his strength and his health, 
will have disappeared. It will have disappeared. It will have decreased. It will have diminished to a great degree. No matter how healthy and fit he may be, one day without food and the body begins to weaken. Two days, three days without food and the body weakens and weakens. Barely a day without food. And this body that you have, no matter how strong you are, is in a weakened state. A day without water and your body is in a weakened state. One day, this causes a person to realize how much he is in need before his Creator. How much he is in need in poverty before his Lord. And that he has no power, no strength in of himself to do anything. A few hours without water and his body is already weakening, let alone any longer. So then the person realizes what a great blessing of Allah it is upon him. The blessing of health that he's been given, the blessing of strength that he's been given. Hence Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma mentioned in that famous narration, إِذَا أَمْسَيْتَ فَلَا تَنْتَذِرِ الصَّبَاحِ وَإِذَا أَصْبَحْتَ فَلَا تَنْتَذِرِ الْمَسَاءِ If you make it to the evening, then do not delay things and anticipate making it to the morning. You may not. And if you make it to the morning, then do not delay your worship and your obedience, thinking and expecting to make it to the evening, you may not. So use the opportunity when it is there. Another famous narration of the Prophet ﷺ, where he mentioned that there are two blessings, ni'matan, maghboonun fihim nas The people are negligent of them completely. Two blessings you have been given, and the people are negligent of them. They are, what are the two blessings mentioned in the narration, that a person has been given and he is negligent of them? As-sihha wal-faragh, your good health and your free time. Now that a person has his good health, Allah has given you that good health, and he's given you the free time, then that is an opportunity for your deeds. But those are two things that the majority of the people are negligent of. So this month of Ramadan is an opportunity to reflect. It is an opportunity to ponder over your state, even the basic things. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan here mentions, even with the basics of hunger, Al-Ju'a Wal-Atash, when you feel that hunger and that thirst, then even from that basic feeling of hunger and thirst, you realize what a great blessing of Allah it is upon you that you have the food you eat every day. Because that feeling of hunger and thirst, that is a feeling that others across the world experience on a daily basis without even fasting. Rather due to them not having anything at all. And that is, if you look into the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, look into the example of the Prophet sallallahu 
On one occasion he came home and said to Aisha radiallahu anha, A'indana shay'? Do we have anything? Is there anything in the house to eat? Nowadays that is the type of question that is inconceivable to the people. Such are the blessings upon them. Such are the favors of Allah upon the people. That it is inconceivable to think that a situation could ever arise in your home whereby you would have to go hungry. Yet on this one occasion it's mentioned in the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ came home and said, is there anything to eat? Do we have anything today? In one narration, Aisha radiallahu anha mentions, no, we actually have nothing. We actually have nothing. So then in that narration it mentions the Prophet ﷺ said, inni idhan sa'imun. In that case I'm fasting for the day. In that case, I am fasting. We have nothing, no food, no water. I've not eaten anything since Fajr. In that narration, the Prophet hadn't eaten or drunk anything since Fajr. And they had nothing in the house anyway. So then he said, in that case, I will make this a fast, meaning a superrogatory fast. So now a person with that hunger, in that thirst, realizes the blessing of Allah that at the time of Maghrib, he will have ample food and drink. Choices of food every day differing. Choices of drinks every day differing. Person realizes the great number of blessings of Allah upon him. And what is the purpose of realizing that? It's not just that you realize the blessing, and you understand the blessing, but it is how you then react to realizing and understanding this blessing. And the reaction that is required is that a person then realizes that Allah has given him all these blessings, given him all of these virtues and these favors, and that he therefore now needs to implement and to fulfill the rights of Allah upon him. You as a servant of Allah need to fulfill the rights of Allah upon you. And what are those rights at the head of them? The implementation, the practice of Tawheed. Practicing this religion, the five prayers every day. And that is something we did not mention yet. But fasting and Ramadan, some of the scholars, in fact one of the scholars, he was asked, and I heard with my own ears, one of the big scholars of Medina, a question was asked to him, Shaykh, there is a person who doesn't pray. He doesn't bother praying, maybe odd one here or there, but he doesn't bother praying his five prayers every day. So, he's gonna fast in Ramadan. He's gonna fast though, alhamdulillah, but he doesn't really bother praying. So the Shaykh replied, then why is he bothering fasting? Meaning, if he's not praying, He's a kafir anyway. You know the opinion of the scholars and the severity of the affair regarding praying. The shaykh said if he's not praying, then why is he fasting anyway? If he's not praying, where is his Islam in the first place for him to be fasting? So this is an opportunity to rectify the most basic of affairs. An individual who is not even praying five times a day, 
then this is an opportunity that presents itself to you. Ramadan, where your iman, it increases. You feel that obedience and worship you are doing to your Lord. You feel the iman increasing. Then you must continue with that throughout and beyond Ramadan as a month. And not to only do that in Ramadan and then stop outside of it. So there are many benefits within this month of Ramadan. There are many virtues regarding the month of Ramadan. There are narrations where Allah tells us about the reward for the month of Ramadan. And what is the reward mentioned for the month of Ramadan? It states in one hadith that all of the actions that the servants they do, all of the actions that a servant performs and does, the reward is for him. Except for fasting. Except for fasting. The act of fasting, Allah said, is for me, for Allah. And I will reward that person accordingly. So the act of fasting is not restricted. It is not restricted in its reward. It is open in its reward and Allah rewards the one who fasts. فَإِنَّ السَّوْمْ لِي وَأَنَا أَجْزِي بِهِ As the hadith mentions. Fasting is for me and I will reward that person. Allah mentions my servant. My servant left his food and his drink for me. He left his food and his drink and his desires for me. And the fasting is for me and I will reward him upon it. In another narration it mentions about the doors of paradise. And that one of the doors of paradise, it is only for the people who fast. And that door is known as Rayan. لَا يَدْخُلُهُ إِلَّا صَائِمُونَ No one enters in through this door except the people who fast. Hence the scholars they mention, if you look at the biographies, the biographies of the Salaf, and the biographies of the great Imams, you will find that fasting was an act that they used to perform to a great level. Not just in Ramadan, but for the remainder of the year, they would fast a lot. Why? Because of all of the great virtues of fasting. How the fasting brings taqwa for you. Fasting helps you in your obedience of Allah. Prohibits you and makes you stronger from staying away from haram. The reward is from Allah directly to you. The reward of the door in paradise for you. So the scholars of the past, if you read their biographies, it is mentioned how they all used to fast a lot. Throughout the rest of the year also. But nowadays we find our situation such, that the people they fast in Ramadan, and then there is not a single fast except until next Ramadan it comes. And they are missing upon the virtues of great fasts for the rest of the year. The six days in Shawwal, 
Badiya Arafa, various days that fasting can be done and the Sunnah days because of the virtues of it. So that is a brief reminder, and that is all we intended to do today. A brief reminder regarding this great month of Ramadan. A reminder for everyone to recognize and realize their position in this world. To recognize and realize their Creator has placed them here for a purpose. And to recognize and to realize that this time is limited and short. And so if this Ramadan is decreed for you, then to use it as an opportunity to increase yourselves and to better yourselves. For you do not know if this type of opportunity will present itself to you once again. You do not know if this opportunity will arise once again or not. So it is an encouragement only, an encouragement for us all to begin from now, in these few weeks mentally preparing ourselves, readying ourselves for this month of Ramadan, so that we may take the maximum benefit from it, may take the maximum we can in improving ourselves as practicing Muslims, practicing upon the way of Salafiyyah, to use this as a basis to make that improvement and build upon. So we'll conclude upon that brief reminder for tonight. وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى نَبِيَّنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ If there's any brief questions, we can take that now and then we'll conclude. Assalamualaikum. With pr- the pillars are not equal like that. The prayer is the only one apart from the shahada. Shahada, obviously, person doesn't accept the shahada, kafir. The other four pillars: fasting, uh, prayer, fasting, zakat, and hajj. Prayer is the only one that the scholars they discussed with this topic. That if a person abandons the prayer, tarik salah, then that person is a kafir. But if a person didn't bother fasting out of laziness, he is still a Muslim. But he is a severe sinner, major sinner, but Muslim. Zakat the same, and fasting the same, and uh, hajj the same. Except for the one who rejects the obligation. A person who makes juhud, he says, I don't believe in Ramadan. I don't believe in it. That one's a kafir. The one who rejects the obligation is different. But we're talking about somebody who knows you're supposed to fast, but lazy, doesn't do it. He's not exited from the fold of Islam, but he is upon severe sin. But prayer, the one who leaves that out of laziness, knows he's supposed to pray, but he's lazy, that, some of the scholars say, does make you a kafir. So the issue regarding intention 
for the obligatory fasting, the obligatory fasting, you must make the intention before, before the fajr, before the, the fasting begins, before the true fajr. For the optional, the nawafil, superrogatory, nafil, then it is not a condition to have to make the intention before fajr, like this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ that day hadn't eaten or drunk anything all day. So then, in the middle of the day when there was no food available, he said, okay, in that case I'll make it a fast for the day. And that counts as an optional fast. Obligatory fast, you cannot do that. In the hadith, for the obligatory fasts, مَنْ لَمْ يُبَيِّتْ أَنِّيَّ قَبْلَ الصَّيَامِ أو قَبْلَ الْفَجَرِ فَلَا صَيَامَ لَهِ Whoever doesn't make his intention before the fajr, there is no fasting for him. Obligatory fasting that is. Superrogatory, it's not a condition. Staying on intention, does that intention have to be done every night? Or can we do it in Ramadan? You guessed your question before you got to the third word. So this is a difference of opinion between the scholars. Do you have to make an intention every night of Ramadan? Or is one overall intention before the first night of Ramadan... You're in your mind now, I'm going to fast this month. Is one overall intention sufficient? Some scholars say yes. But many, like Sheikh Bin Baz and others, they say every night you have the intention for the next day. And that is something natural to everybody anyway. Every night you put your alarm on. Why do you put your alarm on? Because you have the intention, I'm going to get up and fast. So naturally that intention every day is there. And that is something many of the scholars say you should do. That you have an intention daily for the next day to fast. I'm not aware that there is any particular wording. Allah alam. That there is any particular wording. But it is an intention in the heart. There is nothing, you know, like when people they pray. When people are going to pray, they stand up in the congregation and they say, Oh Allah, for your sake now, I'm going to pray four raka'at for, uh, or three raka'at for Maghrib behind this imam. And uh, we're praying today. You know that intention how people make it. Three raka'at fard behind this imam. All of that type of thing, huh? Facing the qibla. Oh, facing the qibla, Three raka'at behind this imam, facing the qibla. This intention you were taught when you were kids. That is not correct. There is no intention like that. In one uh, narration, uh, in one story, as Shaykh al-Uthaymeen, he says, one time he was in the haram in Mecca. Or, or not he was, he said somebody told him. Somebody told as Shaykh al-Uthaymeen the story. This person says that he was in the haram in Mecca once, and the person next to him got up, and he was going to pray. So he started making the intention, Oh Allah, I'm going to pray this four raka'at behind the imam, facing the qibla in the haram. So this person next to him realized, this is not how you make your intention. He said to him, wait, wait. You didn't finish your intention. You should add the time and the date and your location and everything in the intention. Say, oh Allah, I'm going to pray these four raka'at behind the imam facing the qibla in the western side of the haram on today, Tuesday the 29th. Just to show to him, this is not how you make your intention. So there is no intention like that. The intention is in the heart. The niyyah is in the heart. It is not things that you say. Saying it upon the tongue is a bid'ah. When you come, during breaking the fast, you have your date, 
made your water or something like that, make him dua before you eat the bed and or after you eat the bed. Which one is sunnah? That one, the scholars, all they mention is inda. The word is inda. At the time of opening. So just prior to opening, if you make the dua, it is sufficient. Or just after the opening, you make the dua, it is sufficient. All the scholars mention is inda. So there's no uh, set way. Has to be this way or has to be that way. As long as at the time of opening your fast, you make this dua, it is sufficient. Non-nutritional injections, if there are non-nutritional injections, they are permissible. Giving blood is permissible if it is a small amount. Meaning, uh, you go to the doctors, they say, we need a sample of blood from you for whatever we're doing. You can give them the sample, allow them to take out a sample of blood from you if it is a small amount. If a large amount of blood is going to be taken, they need pints then that is not correct. That would break your fast as many of the scholars mentioned. But a small injection syringe, they want to take some blood is allowed. The other one was? Uh, ears and eye drops. Ears and eye drops. Ear drops and eye drops are permissible. But the scholars do say, if you can avoid them, avoid them. But they are generally permissible. Because they are not direct inlets into the stomach. As opposed to nose drops. A Shaykh al-Fawzan says, nose drops, no. Because that is directly, if you swallow it, straight to the stomach. Whereas ears and eyes, not directly to the stomach. But a Shaykh al-Fawzan still says, if you can avoid, if it's not a necessity, you can take your eye drops, ear drops, just in night time, then do that. Don't do it during the day. But if it's a necessity, every certain number of hours, eye drops, ear drops, it's allowed. Asthma inhalers are allowed. Long-term illness, somebody who has some type of chronic illness, long-term illness. Last year they had it, the year before they had it, this year they have it. Long-term illness, they can never fast. Last year they couldn't fast. The year before, 10 years, they haven't been able to fast. That type of person can't fast, then you can't say to him, you can break your fast, miss it and make it up. He can't even make it up. So the one who has long-term illness, he has the excuse of not fasting. And he can't even make them up because of long-term illness. Instead, he has to feed a poor person for every day. And that is the same as the one who is elderly in age. A shaykh al-kabir. Rukhisa li shaykh al-kabir. The person who is old in age. And he physically now just cannot fast. Too old, his body couldn't burden it anymore. So again, he has that reason. He can give the food for every day. And the pregnant woman is differed about. The breastfeeding woman and the pregnant woman is differed about whether she can give food for every day or whether she has to make up the days. How about stopping off eating during summer in disguise or less ready? You know, the particular time when you stop eating. The particular time when to stop eating? Yeah. In the morning? Oh, in this country, there's uh, any of the times it's hard to work out <laughs> with the sun. So you have you have the the rough idea. The scholars they mention like in other countries it's even harder. Scandinavian countries even more difficult. Norway, Sweden, those places. 
So the scholars have said to them, you make your estimation of the times. You make the estimation of those times, and you do it upon those times. So now we know when the sun rises, so you make an estimation prior to that of roughly the Fajr time entering, even if the actual, the signs, the alamat aren't clear in this country, but it is judged upon that estimation of when it is, and it is done upon that. No, the big difference is some of the people, the Masakin, who say that uh, the Al-Fajr uh, 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 is uh, 1 o'clock or something, or 5 past 1. Yeah. MashaAllah, people, you're still praying Taraweeh with her and the time is finished. Yeah. So you go home, what are you going to do? Yeah. These people, I don't know how they make this. For the rest of the year, after Ramadan finishes, then the next month they will say Fajr 4 o'clock. But Ramadan, 1 o'clock, MashaAllah. So these t- those timetables, nothing to do with us. You stick to the normal timetable here, the brothers, they make a, a rough estimation of the times. If you're able to see, alhamdulillah, if you're not, then you have this rough estimation on these times, and you work off those times. But those other ones where they say the fasting ends, the suhoor time finishes at 1 a.m., and those types of things. But when you look at the month before, this month right now, Fajr starts 3 a.m. or 3.30 a.m. for them. Next month, all of a sudden, 1 a.m. This month, Maghrib is maybe 9 p.m., Next month, Maghrib becomes 9.40 p.m. Why? Ihtiyat, they say. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. Just make Fajr earlier, make Maghrib later, so you can be certain you've definitely fasted. And that is against the Sunnah. Sunnah is to stick to the Fajr time and the Maghrib time. That's another very lengthy one. A woman who is pregnant, does the mere fact that she is pregnant allow her to uh, miss fasting or not? Some scholars say yes. Some scholars hold the opinion that pregnancy, just for the sake of pregnancy, is an allowable reason not to fast. Other scholars, they say no. They say pregnancy is only a reason allowing you to miss fasting if there will be harm upon you or the child. That in a nutshell. Then after that, all of the discussions and the evidences regarding uh, which of those opinions is more accurate or correct. But generally speaking, most of the scholars, if you read their fatawa, all they say is, if a woman is pregnant and she fears for herself and her baby, then it's allowed for her to miss. So, if a woman was pregnant and doctors say to her, MashaAllah, fit and healthy, everything going very well, you yourself are fit and healthy, your child is growing fit and healthy, even if you fasted, it can't envisage any problems. So if the woman wants to fast in that state, she can fast. Some scholars will say, she has to fast. But most of them, they allow the fact that a woman is pregnant, they allow that as a cause to miss the fasting. Because nowadays, if you were to go to any doctors or any experts in the medical field, vast majority of them will say to you that it's going to cause you harm. Vast majority will say, especially the way that the fasting is nowadays, whatever stage of pregnancy, most doctors will tell you it's going to be something detrimental. So generally speaking, a woman that is pregnant would be allowed to miss the fasting and make them up afterwards, or give the poor people, depending on that issue, which is too long to discuss. And a menstruating woman? Menstruating woman, if a woman is upon her period, what is the ruling? She shouldn't. But she can if she wants. She's not allowed. allowed. So the menstruating woman is not allowed. 
When she is upon her period, she is not allowed to fast. Some women always ask, is it allowed to take those pills and things to delay the period for this month? So you can do the full month. Technically, some of the scholars say, yes, it is allowed. But others, they mention, you shouldn't do it. Allah created you upon this particular way. Allah gave you the rulings of what to do when you're upon the period. Make up the days afterwards. Just like Aisha radiallahu anha and the other companions used to do. So there's no need to take these pills and these things so that I want to be able to do the whole month. I don't want to miss any days. This is how Allah has created the women. This is how the female companions did it. The rulings have been given to you what to do when you miss those days for the period. So the woman to stay upon her natural way is better. How does she make it up? Oh, the uh, woman upon the period? That one uh, fast. Anybody wants any other opinions, a uh, different lecture. But that one she fasts. She fasts. The one upon the uh, period, those days that she misses, then afterwards she must make up those days. Just like in the hadith of Aisha, when we used to be upon the period, we were commanded to make up the fast, but not commanded to Make up the prayers. The prayers they don't have to make up, but the fasts they have to make up. Toothpaste again, the scholars say, technically it's allowed. Use it in your mouth, be very careful, don't swallow anything, you've not done anything to break your fast. But again, many of them advise, avoid it. Use your toothpaste and your brushing of your teeth before the Fajr time starts in the morning when you have your suhoor. And then after that, when you open your fast all day, you're not going to eat anything anyway, no problem. Use the miswak and things. So they say, avoid it if you can. Don't use it during the day. Use your toothbrush, brush your teeth in the morning before the suhoor, or after the suhoor, before the fajr. And then afterwards, after maghrib, that is better. But if you did, then technically it doesn't break your fast as long as you don't swallow anything, wash it all out carefully. So. The fasting of Ramadan, it's the opinion of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah ibn al-Qayyim rahimahumallah, that fasting which is obligatory in the Sharia, like Ramadan, cannot be done on your behalf by somebody else. Some scholars have the opinion it can. مَنْ مَاتَ وَعَلَيْهِ الصَّيَامِ صَامَ عَنْهُ وَلِيُّ Hadith. Whoever dies and he still has days to make up, his next of kin makes them up.
So there is the hadith, man mata wa alayhi sayyam salama anhu waliyu. Whoever dies and he still got days left to make up, then his next of kin makes them up. Some scholars take the generality of the hadith and they say, if a person dies and he has days of Ramadan left to do, his next of kin can do them on his behalf. Other scholars they say, no, that is not the case. The hadith is more specific than that. And it is more specific by saying that if the fasting was obligatory in the sharia to begin with, then it cannot be made up on your behalf by anybody else. But if, the, like Ramadan, but if the fasting was not obligatory in the basis of the sharia to begin with, then it can be made up by others on your behalf. What type of fasting would that be? For example, somebody makes a vow. Somebody makes a vow, next month I am going to fast three days. But then he dies this month. Now upon his burden, upon his shoulders is obligatory three days. He made a vow. Vowed he would fast three days next month. It's now obligatory in his right. But he died. So now he's died with three days of fasting obligatory in his right. That one the scholars say you can make up for him. Because those three days weren't obligatory in the sharia originally. It was a secondary type of obligation he made upon himself. Those types they say you can make up. That is the opinion of some of the scholars. So in that chronic example, based upon that opinion, you don't make those days up for him. Even if a person now is in that chronic illness and has nothing to be able to give, has no food, nothing, he is in that poverty, has nothing to give. That's very similar to the hadith of the one who came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, Ya Rasulullah, halakt, I have destroyed myself. The Prophet ﷺ said, why? What have you done? He said, I had intercourse with my wife during the day of Ramadan. So then in the end of the hadith, what happened? The Prophet ﷺ said to him, feed. He said, I have nothing. I am the poorest person in this village. I am the poorest one. I cannot feed anybody else. So then in the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, smiled, he laughed until his teeth became visible. And he said to them, give some charity to him. Give him some dates. So the one who has nothing, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها Allah will not burden a soul except what he can burden. فَاتَّقُلْهَا مَسْتَذَعَتُمْ Fear Allah to the best of your ability. You have nothing. Then what can you do? So we'll leave it on that then. Round off and conclude upon that. Uh, these issues that we're discussing now, all of these fiqh kind of issues about Ramadan, they, they are already available online. There is a, uh, the Bulugh al-Maram course that we did last year. We'll be doing it again this year. It's all available on learnaboutislam.co.uk, maybe on Al-Basira website too. That uh, Bulugh al-Maram, the chapter of fasting. It's about four or five CDs or four or five uh, recordings. And you can listen to all of the details, all of the ahadith uh, of how Ramadan starts, about the moon sighting, about all of the different issues. Maybe seven, eight, nine lectures maximum. All of them available on the website. You can download those, listen to those. Gives you details of everything from that chapter from Bulugh al-Maram. So we'll uh, finish off on that tonight then. Until the next time, inshallah.